And so we've been looking at only Jesus this whole year as we've been going through the Gospel of John. And so we come to today's passage here in John chapter 5, starting at verse 16. But before we get into that, I need to tell you guys something. I am having a problem with a church member. Now, this church member, I need to, he always likes to think that he's in control. He always is telling me what to do. He always thinks that his way is correct. He always seeks to exert what he considers to be his authority in my life. And I'm going to tell you who he is. And I've dealt with him ever since I've been here. But here's the thing. I dealt with him before I got here. His name is, G- is Joey Anthony, and if you don't know, that's my name. So I'm that church member that I'm having problems with. But before you get too smug in your pew, you need to know that you're the same church member, all right? And that that name is not Joey Anthony, but it's your name. Because we all have an issue with authority. We have an issue with our fleshly nature where we want to be in control. We want to have the last word. We want to tell us what we're supposed to do. When in reality, we're going to find that that is a very self-oriented way of thinking. And as we think about last week's message, when we came to this passage of Scripture in John chapter 5, that Jesus does something for a man who'd been lame for, for 38 years. He heals him of his, of his infirmity. He heals him of his paralysis But then he does something, he says to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now that is awesome, except that it was on the Sabbath. And the Jews did not like it because they had a rule against the Sabbaths. They had made up a lot of other rules that this happened to fall under about taking up your bed and walk. And so the Jews find out about who it was who told this man, who healed the man on the Sabbath, but also who told him to take up his bed and walk, and it was Jesus. And so now we come to this passage of Scripture today, and we find that the Jews, as as they are not happy with who Jesus is, you can imagine in their own minds the Jews, as they hear what Jesus has done, as he has overridden their law and overridden their tradition, that they would come to Jesus and say to him, Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? Who gives you, Jesus, the authority to tell this man to break the Sabbath, taking up his bed and walking? Jesus, who put you in charge? Who died and made you the boss? And what we're going to find in our scripture today is that Jesus lets them know just who really is in charge and who is the boss and who is the true authority. And who is that? But it is only Jesus. Amen? Y'all ready this morning? All right. Well, we're going to read from John 5, verses 16 through 30, in honor and reverence to the Word of God, if you'd please stand. If you're able this morning, I want to read that for you as we walk through this scripture. The Bible says, For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus, sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them and said, My father has been working until now, and I have been working. And therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. And then Jesus answered and said to them, 
Most assuredly, I say to you, the Son cannot, can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son, shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. Most assuredly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. And those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. And Lord, we pray that you would use it now to speak to us. Lord, to challenge us and the authority that we tend to proclaim over our own lives. That we claim as our own. Lord, I pray that we would yield all authority to you today. That we would see that you are the true authority. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would have your way in every heart and life. There are those here that don't know you as Savior. May they see that you are the one who has the right to have authority over us. Because of what you did on the cross and at the empty tomb. And, Lord, may you have your way in us who are believers already. To reorder our focus to rethink about how we think. And Lord, may you guide us and direct us. And may the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, you see the outline there in your bulletin, or if you have the app, you can pull that up and you can follow along there. We see three things as we look at this passage of Scripture. As we see that Jesus is the true authority that he is the true authority, that he is the authority over us, as we see him exerting and showing that he is the authority over the Jews and over the man that was healed and over the Sabbath even. And the first thing that we see here is that he is, he has, he is the true authority as he has linked authority. Linked authority. Now, as we mentioned already, the Jews were asking him, who gives you the authority uh, to tell this man to take up his mat and to walk on the Sabbath? How is your authority greater than what we know? How is your authority greater? Who do you think that you are? Because for them, the issue was authority. The issue was that they had had control with their religious notions, and Jesus was coming in to what they thought they knew, and Jesus is intruding, and he's challenging, and he's radically confronting their beliefs. But he makes it clear that he doesn't just have authority, he is authority. And that's who he is. He's the true authority. But what we see in this passage, scripture, and I love as we walk through this, we tend to have, uh, we tend to look at things uh, from uh, skewed views sometimes. But we need to remember that Jesus is always concerned about the heart of the people. 
He's always concerned about the heart. Just in a few verses before verse 16 and verse 14, we see where he talks to the man and tells him not to, says, sin no more. But even now, as he is talking to the people who are wanting to kill him, who are persecuting him, he is showing the authority that they need, the authority that they cannot see for themselves, and yet he is showing it to them here. That there's life in his name. There's life in him. If only they will receive him by faith. He still reaches out. So, friend, no matter where you are, you need to know that the Lord loves you and he is still reaching out to you as well. Amen? So what we find here is that he has this linked authority and he shows them that he is the true authority because he has linked authority. In verse 17, it tells us there, of course, in verse 16, it tells us what Jesus is dealing with where the Jews had persecuted him and wanted to kill him because he'd done these things on the Sabbath, as we said. And verse 17, and then Jesus answered them, answering the Jews, answering their attacks, answering their persecution. And he says to them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. There's a couple things you need to see in those just few verses, those few words there, where Jesus says, first off, my father. Now, understand that as it tells us that Jesus answered the Jews, know that that's a legal term that he is telling them. He is, he is making a formal defense against the charges that are against him. And he does so by saying first things out of his mouth is that my father, my father. Now, this would have, this would have taken the Jews aback. Here's Jesus. He's calling God, holy God, Father, His Father. Now, we don't think about that because that's in our vernacular. That's in our our language. That's our vocabulary, what we say here today. He's our Father. But for the Jew, that was unheard of. I mean, the name of God. They had such a respect and a reverence for God that even before the scribes in that day would write the name of God, they would go and wash their hands. They would stop and go wash their hands before they'd come back and write the name of God. They were such a reverence for the name of God. And for Jesus to say that this was his father, that God was his father, to them it was blasphemy. But Jesus then went even further and he said, My father has been working until now and I have been working. My father has been working and I have been working. Remember, this is the Sabbath, the deal about working. And he said, Look, my father has been working. He works on the Sabbath. He works all the time. As a matter of fact... What we need to know is that God is always working, right? And we're grateful that he's always working because if he stopped working, then we would cease to exist because he holds all things together. We consist by him. We, we are sustained by him. Acts seventeen twenty eight says, For in him we live and move and have our being, where our everything is in him. And so Jesus says, my, my father has been working and I have been working. He's at work and I'm at work. He's been working, and I have been working. You see what he's doing? Jesus is linking the Father and himself together. He's saying that he and I, the Father and I, are working even on the Sabbath because we are greater than the Sabbath. We are linked together. He is God, and I am God. That is what Jesus is saying to the Jews. And we know that they understood that because in the very next verse, it says very clearly here, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also he said that God was his father making himself equal with God. Notice here that Jesus does not try to correct them in their thinking, but this is exactly because of who he is. He is linked to the father because he is God just as the father is God. And so then we see in verse 19 and 20, then Jesus answered again, and he says to them, Most assuredly, I say to you that the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. 
For whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. For the Father loves the Son, shows him all things that he himself does, and he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Jesus is saying here, look, even as they are seeking to persecute him, even though they're wanting to kill him. And remember last week we talked about that at this very moment when Jesus told the man to get up and walk and healed him on the Sabbath. It was the beginning point that leads to the cross. Jesus knows all this. But yet he says to them, he's the authority. In verse 19 he says, most assuredly. That means truly, truly. Verily, verily. Or bud, you better pay attention here. That's what that means. You need to listen. And here is what he was saying. Here's the truth concerning my authority. And then he begins to lay it out. He said, the son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the father do. He can do nothing of himself but only what he sees the father do. In other words, we are in complete sync together. So in other words, the son is not doing anything that is rebellious of the father. He's not doing anything that is random apart from the father. He's not doing anything that is in rivalry against the father. But we are rather in sync together. The father loves the son. And we are linked together. We are inseparable together. And we're in sync. Now this was important for them, for the Jews to hear this because what they were doing was exactly the opposite. They were doing their own thing. They were not seeking the will of God. They were doing their own thing, making their own rules, making their tradition a matter of righteousness. But Jesus says, for whatever he does, the Father, the Son also does. So in other words, Jesus is saying, I do whatever God does. I do whatever God does. In other words, I'm doing what God is doing because I am God too. I am God, he's saying. We are linked together. Now, you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't say, I do whatever God does, because you're not God. You would not do what God does in like manner, because you are not God. But you would follow the Son of God's example. You would say, I want to do all the Lord wants me to do. I I want to know what He's doing, and I want to join Him in what He's doing. I want Him to be my authority in my life as, as His disciple. I want to obey Him, and I will obey Him completely. I want Him to be in control over my life. And we would say, I want Him to have sole authority over my life. Amen? That's what we would say. I want Him... As the true authority, because of what he's done for me, I want him to be the sole authority of my life. But the Jews here were having control issues. They wanted to be in control of their own situations. They wanted to be in control of the people who were around them. They wanted to be in control of their own lives. Well, how about you today? How about you? Clinging to that control? You having control issues as a believer? Is that church member we talked about a few minutes ago thinking that he or she is in control? Well, here's what we need to remember and what we need to understand is that Jesus is the true authority over the Jewish leaders and he is the true authority over you. Because why? Because he is God. Amen? He is God, your creator. And so he has authority over you. He has true authority. He has all authority. And he, Jesus, and the Father are one, and they are forever linked. And then at the end of verse 20, we see that Jesus says that there are greater works than these that they are are 
are two that are spelled out there in this, in this passage. And the first one of the greater works is what we find in the life-giving authority. That's the second point. The life-giving authority. And what we find in verse 21 is that Jesus says, Okay, so you need to understand that you're coming against me to persecute me, and you're trying to harass me, and you're trying to kill me because of what I did on the Sabbath. But you need to understand who I am, that I am linked with God the Father, that I am God, but also, I, and I have the authority as God, but also that I have a life-giving authority as well. A life-giving authority. So in verse 21, he says this. He says, uh, for the, as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father raises the dead and he gives life and the Son gives life to whom he will. So Jesus is saying, look, I have authority over you because I have life-giving authority. And only God has the authority to give life. I have life-giving authority. As a matter of fact, as the Jews are in front of Jesus and are persecuting him and harassing him and giving him a hard time, Jesus, who is the creator, said, look, I am the one. He could have said this. He didn't. But he could have been saying, I am the one who gave you life. I gave you life, and yet you stand here in front of me. And that's what we see here is that he is the one who has given us life. He has life-given authority. So he has the authority to speak into your life because he gave you life. You ever heard your mama and daddy say to you when you were uh, going through difficulties, Boy, I brought you into this world, and I can take you out too. Boy, I gave you life. You better listen to me. And so that person, that mom or dad, has authority. But this is a greater authority. He gave us the, the life. Every breath we breathe is due to the fact that God has given us life and continues to give us life. Amen? And because of that, he has authority. They would have known, the Jews certainly would have known that it is only God who gives authority. There's a passage in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 7, where the king of Israel was reading a letter from the king of Syria where, concerning Naaman and his leprosy. And he tore his clothes and he said, Am I God to kill and make alive? In other words, he knows that it is God who has the authority. It is God who can make alive. And only God has that prerogative. Only God gives life. And so Jesus was making it clear that he has the authority over them to speak into their lives, to, to do, the, do things, to work on the Sabbath, because he is the authority, the true authority who gives life. His authority that Jesus has is a powerful God, death-overcoming, life-giving authority. And so to the Jews, they may have been thinking that they had control, but in reality, they didn't have any control. They, they controlled nothing, but, God, but Jesus was saying, I'm in control. I have authority, life-given authority, because life can only come from him. Then we see another kind of life that he talks about there, and then in verse 24, where he says, Most assuredly I say to you that he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. And what is that everlasting life? We see it in the latter part of that verse, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. 
And so we still have to grasp the concept that Jesus is still concerned for the hearts of the Jew even here, for those who are persecuting him, those who are harassing him, because even here he's saying, look, most assuredly, listen, I'm telling you that he who hears my word and believes in me who, and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life. He is extending life even to those who are out to get him. We see the grace and the mercy of God. Amen? He's pointing them to this everlasting life. It wasn't a life that was based upon tradition or based upon activities in their religion or scripture memorization or any position in which they held. But rather, it was real life, everlasting life, that can, where you have passed from death into life. Meaning you have crossed from the realm of sin and crossed from the realm of darkness and death to now you are, have life, real life, new life, the assurance of life, the beauty in life, and delighting in the Creator because you have life. And you are no longer dead, but you are alive now in Him. He offers that life. And how can this be? It can be this way because it tells us in verse 25 and 26. Most assuredly, again, truly, truly, you need to listen. I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And so life that is everlasting life comes through Jesus Christ. That life, real life, is in him. It has been granted to the Son to have this life because of who he is. He is God, the life-giving authority. He will go to the cross to pay for our sins, and he will raise bodily from the dead. He has the authority to give us everlasting life. So he has the life, and he has the authority to grant life that he gives everlasting life. So but what, what happens when, some, when someone who is dead comes to life? How does this take place? Well, we think about it by way of spiritually, because we know, according to Scripture, that before Christ comes into our lives, before we're saved by His grace, the Bible tells us that we are spiritually dead. That we're spiritual, we are a spiritual corpse. Y'all with me this morning? We're a spiritual corpse, meaning that we, as you you know what a corpse is, is non-responsive. It's cold. It's not moving. It's empty of all life. But the Bible here says that the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Now, let me just be honest with you and say, I do not know how this miracle takes place. But what I do know is that a miracle takes place. Amen? A miracle takes place. Somehow, some way, as God works... He works in the hearts of people, drawing them to himself. A person hears about Jesus through the word of God as somebody proclaims it, as somebody witnesses to them, as they see it on a billboard, as they read it in the hotel room with the Gideon Bible or whatever it is, and God uses that. And in this spiritual corpse, God speaks and the person comes to life. Somehow he gives us the ears to hear. And he awakens the ability to hear. The dead hear the voice of Jesus, and the dead hear his voice, and they live. Well, what does Jesus say when he speaks? Well, I don't know what he speaks. Maybe he says, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Or maybe he says, come forth. But whatever he says, he says, maybe it's Ephesians 5, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. But whatever he says, it works. Amen? Amen. 
because he's the life-giving authority, and he gives us that life. So Jesus is saying to the Jews, I have that authority. I'm the true authority because life is in me just as it's in the Father. I have life. I give life. I am life. So I speak and people are made alive. So the challenge to the Jews then would have been to examine their own lives to see if they had the hope of this life. Jesus says, look, you can have this everlasting life in comparison to what you've got now. See, are you thinking, Jesus would say, are you thinking that you have life because of your own traditions? Are you thinking that you have life because of your activity in your religion? Do you thinking that you have life because you can quote the scriptures? Are you thinking that you have life because you have a great position that you've earned in your religion? Well, beloved, maybe that's you here today as well because he speaks the same thing to us today. He'd say, hey, church member, are you thinking that you have life because of the good that you're doing? Are you thinking that you have life because you're active in your religion? Because what you need to understand is that life is found in only Jesus. Only Him. You see, listen, since He has life-given authority and He's given you life, He has the right to have authority over you. He has life-giving authority. So what we do as believers who have received Him by faith... We recognize that he has all authority. And so therefore, we're to yield, our, his, yield to his authority because he is the true authority and he is the one who's given us life. He is God. So that's the first greatest work. The second greatest work, which is point three, is this lasting authority. This lasting authority. So we've seen that he is showing the Jews here and those who are out to get him that he has this linked authority because he and God the Father are one. He has a life-given authority because he has the power to give life as the Father has given him that power. But now also we see that he has this lasting authority because he can judge. He is the judge. He has this lasting authority. To the Jews, they would have been quick, and they had been quick to judge the man for getting up and taking his mat and walking, and they've been quick to judge Jesus because of what he has done. But Jesus is saying to them, look, here's what you need to know. I'm the judge. I'm the true authority who is the judge. And we think about lasting authority, we think about judgment. We think about judgment, we think about that which is final. A judgment has been made. Now, think about our Supreme Court and our own judicial system here in the States. So if you have a case or somebody has a case and they go to the civil court or the circuit court or whatever and they lose their case and they're not satisfied with that, they really want to find justice, so they appeal to, to the appeals court. And the appeals court finds that against them again, and so they take their case all the way to the Supreme Court, and they take it to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court will, will make a decision. They'll either, they'll either let the appeals court stand, which means the decision's final there, or they'll make a decision. But whatever they decide, the decision that they make is final. Right? They make that decision, and it is final. Because no matter how far and how long it's taken you in that case, when it comes to the Supreme Court, when they make their final judgment, their ruling stands, no matter what side they side with. Their ruling stands. At that point, there are no more appeals. There are no more arguments. The books are sealed, and the decision is final. The authority over that decision is lasting. But what we're talking about here is greater than the Supreme Court. 
We're talking about Jesus, who is the judge, the final judge, whose authority is lasting. Amen? His authority is lasting. And so when we look there in verse 27, we see that he has life in himself, verse 27, and God has given him authority, the Father has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man, the Bible says. He's the Son of Man. Jesus uses this term that the Jews certainly would have understood because in that term it comes from the book of Daniel. The Son of Man was one who is God, who walks among you, but is also the Son of God. The Son of Man, who walks among you, but also is the Son of God. In Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, that prophecy that would, said this, I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming from the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days. They brought him near before him, and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. It is a lasting authority because he is the final judge. He's the true authority. And Jesus has given it to the Jews here. He has given it to them that he is the true authority. And beloved, what I want you to hear today is that he's given it to us too. That we need to understand that he is the true authority in your life because he is God, because he gives you life, and because he is the judge. He is still that. and He still has authority, and he still is the authority. And so what he is saying here is that all judgment comes through the Son. If you back up into verse 22 and 23, it says, For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son, just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now, that's kind of hard to kind of figure out what is it that Jesus is trying to say there. And I listened to John Piper the other day and heard him describe it this way. He said, imagine if you, in your mind, I like the way he uses this. He said, imagine if in your mind that as someone comes to the Father, the Father stands his Son in front of him. And as people come to the Father, the Father says, look, I do not judge you, but rather you are judged by my Son. In that if you have accepted him or you have rejected him, him therein is your judgment. The judgment comes through the Son. So if you have rejected Jesus or accepted Jesus, there's your judgment right there. Amen? So in other words, you honor Jesus, you honor him by receiving by faith that he paid your penalty of sin on the cross for you. But you dishonor him when you trample upon his mercy and his grace and his love for you, rejecting his offer of forgiveness and being reconciled to the Father. You honor him or dishonor him. And those who dishonor him will face the judgment of being condemned. He's the judge. Look again at verse 28 and 29. It says, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all the graves will hear his voice. There's going to come a day when the Lord's going to speak and the graves are going to open up and and his voice is going to say, Come forth, and the people will come together. Either resurrection to life, it says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life, or those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. What we find here is that those who come forth from the grave, some will come to have life that lasts for all of eternity, and some will come to have life that lasts 
in, in condemnation. They will be condemned forever. The resurrection of condemnation. He is the final judge. The final judge for life or the final judge for condemnation. So in other words, all judgment is final by Jesus Christ. So when we get to heaven, there is no appeal process in heaven. There are no arguments. The books are sealed and the decision is final. He is the lasting authority. And so to the Jewish leaders, Jesus would be saying, you claim to honor the Father, but that's false if you're dishonoring the Son. And Jesus is saying, I am God, and if you reject me, then you're facing the judgment of being condemned forever. Man, what, what a bold statement that is that Jesus is speaking to the Jews. Y'all catch that? That I am God, and if you reject me, then you face condemnation. You'll be condemned forever if you reject me. Man, that is a bold statement that Jesus is telling the Jews. But you know what? That's a bold statement that is still bold today. Because it is radical, and it is offensive, and it is exclusive. But, beloved, it is the gospel truth. And in this day of pluralism, and this day of tolerance, people say that God is one. Oh, God is just one, and we just all have different paths in which we get there. Listen, some will go by Jesus, and some will go by Islam, and some will go by Buddhism. And, but, and if I'm good enough, and my good things outweigh the bad, then I'll just be entered into his presence, and God will be pleased with me. So they'd say, no, no, I don't believe all that about Jesus. Really, Pastor, I'm okay. I'm okay. Well, I have a word of advice from you about being okay. There's this thing that's going on right now in March. I don't know if y'all seen it or heard it, but it's called March Madness. March Madness happened. There's some basketball games being played. And during basketball games, there's a lot of these commercials. And these commercials, I think we see more commercials than we do at the game. But there's this one really annoying commercial by a group of AT&T. And they, there's this, this sportscaster who's really a terrible sportscaster, and they keep bringing him on, whatever. And so there is this subline that they keep saying so that you could get a better AT&T, better network, and AT&T is better. And they say, or they're saying this, just okay is not okay. So just okay is not okay. So if you're here to tell me, I'm okay, pastor, I'm a good person, God's going to let me in. I'm here to tell you, let me tell you something. Just okay is not okay. Amen? Amen. And I guarantee you that when you see that on them commercials, you're going to think about that. Amen? Because just okay is not okay. You must have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not how good you are. It's not through any other way. But it is only through Jesus, for we will be judged according to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you that it's Jesus, not just not some mushy, weak-kneed, cream-of-wheat Jesus that people talk about. I'm talking about the Jesus of the Bible who loves you, who died for you, who rose again, who's alive now and forevermore. It's that Jesus who we judge by. He's the one. But the problem with us today and our authority that we like our control and we want authority, but we like Jesus too. But here's the thing. And let's just be honest, okay? Can we be honest? Let's say amen because I'm going to you, all right? We want just enough of Jesus to get us to heaven. 
I still want to do what I want to do. I still want to live my way. I want to still have control over my decisions. But just give me enough of Jesus to get me to heaven. But not so much of him that I want to surrender my life to him or follow him or obey him or let him have control over any other part of my life. Just give me enough of Jesus to get me to heaven. Well, beloved, that kind of Jesus is not going to get you to heaven. Jesus we need is the one who loves us, who died for us, who rose again, and who is the true authority. Amen? The king, the judge, the one that we're to have a relationship with and walk with. Y'all tracking? So the question is, have you received him by faith? Have you trusted him to save you? And in so doing, have you yielded all authority to him so that you're willing to go wherever he says go and you're willing to do whatever he says do? And if he calls you from your profession and calls you into the ministry, that you'll say, yes, I will go. If he calls you from your lucrative position to the mission field where there is very little money and a whole lot of darkness, you'll still be willing to go. Amen? You're willing to do whatever he wants in your life. Maybe it's not to go where it's dark, away, way somewhere. Maybe it's just to go across that dark street to your neighbor's house. But to, be a, to know that he is the true authority. And so to the Jews... As Jesus is speaking to them and thinking about who Jesus is as the authority, and they're harassing him and persecuting him because he healed on the Sabbath. To the Jews, while you sit there and judge a man because he'd been healed by God and took up his mat and walked, you need to realize that you will be judged, oh, you judges. You will be judged. And Jesus would say, but what do you do with me? Jesus, God, the life-given authority and the lasting authority who is the judge, the true authority. And so the question then comes back to you. What about you? What will you do with Jesus? Do you still claim to have authority over your own life? Now, granted, we may have been given authority over our families or over employees or over a class or over our children. But here's what you need to understand is that he still has sole authority over you because he is the true authority. Y'all got that? All right, there's just one to do. It's real simple. You may have heard it. Yield all authority to Jesus. Yield all authority to Jesus. And the first way you do that is coming to know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. So, Lord, I, I can't do this on my own. There's no life within me. I need you to save me. He's already working in your heart. He's already working in your life. He's calling you to himself. And so you turn from your sin and you turn to Jesus and you repent, believing with all of your heart that he is God's son who died for you and rose again. You take that step of faith. And then once you, listen... Don't turn me off yet. Hang on. Once you say yes to Jesus and you yield authority of your life to Jesus, then you continue to yield all of your life, all authority to Jesus. Everything about you, everything about you, how you act, how you talk, how you react, how you live, how you serve, 
how you spend your money, all of these things are all under the authority of Jesus. You yield all authority to him. How about that church member? Causing us problems, aren't they? Have you heard, if you've been watching the news, maybe you have been seeing this, uh, there's a crisis in Venezuela. I don't know if y'all have seen that or not. There's a, it's been going on for quite some time. And what's happened in Venezuela is that there are two people, a man by the name of Maduro and a man by the name of Guaido, who both of these men think that they are the legitimate president, the legitimate leader, the legitimate uh, authority over Venezuela. And so what has happened in the world at large is that nations have had to choose which one of these guys that they believe is to be the legitimate president to support and to believe. But here's the thing. Do you know what you get when there is a struggle between two who are thinking that they themselves are in the authority and are the authority? What's happened, and what happens is that there is chaos, and there is conflict, and there is war, and it is exhausting. And so what we do in, in applying that to our lives today is to think about this. That this is what's happening in the church member. This is what's happening in our flesh. That we like to think that we are the one who is the authority. When we have the, the true authority who is over us, who's speaking into our life. But what happens is we keep pressing against that and pressing against that and pressing against that. And what happens is there's chaos and there is conflict, and there is war, and it is exhausting. And so what we as believers are to do is to do this. Yield everything to Jesus, and it will affect your whole life. Yield all authority to Jesus. Why should I do that? Well, you're not listening. Here's why. Because He is God. And the next time somebody says to you, hey, who died and left you, boss? You say this, hey, nobody, but somebody did die, but they rose again, and he is the boss. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, may you have...